Rick Rubin is one of the most talented music producers of his generation and certainly one of the most interesting. At 59, he's worked with just about every top recording artist across all genres. In an industry geared toward churning out hits, Rubin's focus is on feelings and helping artists get in touch with their musical selves. If that sounds somewhat mystical, that's just fine with Rick Rubin. After all, his storied studio in California is named Shangri-La, and he's been called the guru by more than a few of the artists he's worked with. In fact, before our interview even began, Rubin crossed his legs, closed his eyes, and then suggested we do the same. Yo, yo, what up? This Trey Boy. Listen, if you don't know who Rick Rubin is and you're a music producer, shame on you, all right? Nah, just kidding, just kidding. Not really. But <laughs> check it out. This man is like the Phil Jackson to music production. What Phil Jackson is to basketball, Rick Rubin is to music production, okay? From R&B to hip-hop to rock and roll, this dude is the man, all right? If you're looking to achieve success as a music producer and you're really serious about the music game and you want the secrets to elevating your music production skills and stand out from other music producers, which is key, listen, open your heart, your ears, and get ready to take notes. Here's some gems you won't hear anywhere else, I promise you. Let's get to the interview. Yes. Should we spend two minutes, uh, eyes closed, meditating before we start, just sure. to like really get here? Sure. Okay. Let's do that. That's a first. Nice. Mm. Yep. Does meditation help you creatively? It clears the distractions. Say the distractions can get in the way with a direct connection to the creative force. Rick Rubin is definitely in tune with his creative force. Over the last four decades, he's produced albums and songs with more than 120 artists. But just keep them really simple. Ba-dum, ba-da-dum. Thinking maybe we start a cappella. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. He's helped launch careers, LL Cool J and Public Enemy among them. And is often the go-to guy for artists at the top of their game, like Adele. But exactly what he does and how is difficult to describe. Do you play instruments? Barely. Do you know how to work a soundboard? No. I have no technical ability. And I know nothing about music. <laughs> so this is what I want to point out about the feelings of producing. It's not just bringing uh, samples and, you know, uh, instruments together. Producing, it really comes with a feeling. It comes with a uh, emotion to it because that's how you connect with your audience. That's how you connect with the listeners. That's why Rick Rubin is such a great producer. Now, he doesn't play any instruments, uh, as he just mentioned, but he has the ear and the mindset to be able to bring people together to play the parts, play the music, and make something of it. Every music producer needs a Rick Rubin in their life. Right. It, they may not be at the level of Rick Rubin, but you need somebody that can listen to your beats and your songs and say, 
hey, that feels good. That feels familiar. That feels a certain way. I can't listen to that all day long. Let's listen to more. <laughs> you must know something. Well, I know what I like and what I don't like. And I'm, I'm decisive about what I like and what I don't like. So what are you being paid for? The confidence that I have in my taste and my ability to express what I feel has proven helpful for artists. Artists are eager to make the pilgrimage to Shangri-La Studios in Malibu to work with Ruben. How many studios do you have here? There's the main control room here with the live room. The place is minimalist, to say the least. There's no mirrors, no TVs, no signs of Rick Rubin's extraordinary success. No. I've never been in a recording no. studio where there's not gold records and Grammys. Do you have like a tiny ego room somewhere? I don't. I, I used to send them all to my parents, and <laughs> I don't know where they are now. Listen, it's a distraction. Yes. If you start thinking about doing something to achieve that, then you're not focused on this making this beautiful thing. It's all about the music. I mean, can't preach this enough. If you're in it just to try to get rich, if you're in it just to try to get fame, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Hey, if that's what you want to do, that's you. You know, but people who, who love the craft, people who look to change people's lives by creating music, us producers and aspiring music producers, this is let this be a lesson to you to be able to say, hey, I really want to make music, but I'm making it for a purpose. And that purpose is to change the world with my music, my beats, you know, uh, the songs I may write. So this is how you become a great music producer. You have to have a why in what you're doing. It undermines the purity of the project. We're going back to the key and we're going back to the tempo. Ruben has referred to himself as a reducer instead of a producer. I like the idea of getting the point across with the least amount of information possible. And that's what you're doing in a recording studio. You're listening to music, to sound, and trying to strip it. Just see what's, what is actually necessary. Getting it down to that essence to start with is really helpful in understanding what it is. On our first day, he brought us in on a jam session with saxophone great Kamasi Washington. What are you listening for? Like right now, there's, what, chimes, piano? Yeah, I'm not listening to any of those things. <laughs> what are you listening to? I'm listening to the feeling. How do you listen to a feeling? Well, my body's moving. I feel that melody awaken something in me. There's something familiar about it, but I don't think I've heard it before. The feeling of familiarity is a good feeling. So if you haven't noticed by now, Rick Rubin talks a lot about feelings. So what he's explaining is being familiar with some a, a, a sound or a, a music, a song, a beat. When your listeners listen to it, it makes the sound of it more pleasing because it's reminding them of a time when they were having a good time, uh, maybe they were they were at a party. It's something that is adding an extra emotion because of the instruments and the way they're they're being played. Now this is sometimes hard to 
do as a, a producer, but if you study music, and I, when I say study music, I mean you're really looking into what moves people and the sounds. To like, for example, if you if you're playing a road, roads, uh, keyboard, those sounds bring are very soulful because a lot of soulful artists use a Rhodes keyboard, right? So you would bring that feeling in automatically using that instrument. If you're using a guitar and the way you're using the guitar and the way you're making it wide, that brings in a, an emotion and it helps your listeners to be able to connect with the song better, which helps you make hits. My aim is not to have my presence felt, <laughs> unless it's necessary, unless it's helpful. His presence is laid back, literally. He usually listens lying down and barefoot with his eyes shut. You might think he was napping. I try to listen as closely as I possibly can. And when my eyes are closed, I feel like I'm there with the music. It may not seem like work, but Ruben hears things and senses things other producers don't. Back in 1993, a few stray guitar chords on a Tom Petty demo tape caught his attention. Tom sent me demos of about five new songs, and none of them really struck me, honestly. None of them spoke to me. But that guitar riff that opens a song was something that was played between two of the songs, just like a a warm-up. I drove to Tom's house, and I played it for him. I said, listen to this piece. I feel like this is the best thing on the tape. Write this one. Aspiring music producers, we need, you need, I need, we both need a Rick Rubin in our life, on on our side, telling us someone that knows music. They may not even know how to play music, but they know what good music sounds like. All right? This is powerful. Listen to this guy. And that turned into Last Dance with Mary Jane. That's got to be hard, though, when you come back saying, you know, I like the thing that happened accidentally in between two of these songs. That's a tough sell sometimes, isn't it? I'm not trying to sell it. <laughs> I'm just uh, sharing what I'm feeling, you know? Uh, like, if they don't want to do it, it's fine. Yep. Ruben is now sharing what he's learned in a book, The Creative Act, A Way of Being, out this week. It's his guide to harnessing creativity. Hey, check it out. You can cop this book right now for free on Audible. I have the link below. In the descriptions, this book is fire, man. Let's get back to the interview. Something he figured out how to do his sophomore year at New York University in 1982. His parents wanted him to be a lawyer, but Ruben had another idea. You decide the dorm is going to be the studio. It's going to be the DJ booth, drum machine, pre-production music area. Yes. (laughs) Did your roommate have any say in that? He didn't, but he loved it. He was going out every night. He wasn't into booze or drugs, he says. The music is what drew him, and hip-hop was just starting to make some noise. What was it about hip-hop that attracted you, this kid from Long Island at NYU? It wasn't made by people who went to the music conservatory. It was made by kids who felt something. But the few hip-hop records Ruben could get his hands on didn't sound like what he heard in the clubs. In a hip-hop club, the music was made by the DJ scratching records. 
or playing breakbeats or using drum machines or some combination. And then there would be a rapper or a group of rappers. And the records that came out were always a, a band playing. And that wasn't what, to me, what hip hop was. So Ruben persuaded rapper T. Rock and DJ Jazzy J to let him produce a record that captured the way they sounded live. It's yours. The stripped down sound got noticed and Ruben teamed up with music manager Russell Simmons. You had a meeting in your dorm room. I had all my meetings at the dorm room. I met with Run DMC at the dorm room. I met, I met with everybody at the dorm room. That dorm became the headquarters for Def Jam Recordings. Did New York University know that you were operating not just a side hustle, like you, <laughs> that you were operating a business out of the school? Eventually it became an issue because over time, as Def Jam grew, the entire mailroom was filled with boxes of records to be shipped out. His senior year, Ruben was working with Run DMC, the Beastie Boys, and a teenage LL Cool J. And after he graduated, Def Jam landed a seven-figure distribution deal with Columbia Records. Ruben was always looking for new talent. He heard a jingle from a college radio show and tracked down the rapper Chuck D who wrote it and convinced him to sign with Def Jam. That's how the groundbreaking group Public Enemy got started. What kind of an impact do you think Rick had on hip-hop? Rick, Rick Rubin is one of the pillar stones of hip-hop. He didn't pioneer the production. He didn't pioneer the rap. But he pioneered a certain energy for it to be daring. The key word there is energy. The key word is energy. When you're producing music or even writing a song, it comes with a certain energy. That energy is an emotion. That emotion leaves your studio. It goes to production, goes to the engineer. When it's finished, the world goes out to the world. And that the world feels the energy that it was made with. That's what he is explaining here. Very important, very important. Ruben left Def Jam in 1988 and set up shop in California. Producing Slayer and other heavy metal bands and well-established artists. Johnny Cash credited him with reviving his career. The first time I got seen was at a dinner theater in, in Orange County. It just seemed like the world had passed him by and he believed the world had passed them by. Ruben looked around for lyrics that would suit the man in black. He picked a Nine Inch Nails song called Hurt. Cash made it his own. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. Wow, that's hurt. That's incredible. It sounded honest. It's brutally honest. It's brutally honest. It's brutally honest. Hurt became one of Johnny Cash's most popular songs, and over the course of a decade, they made seven albums together. He shows up in all these different genres and helps the real sound of those genres emerge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick Rubin had always been a little Bruce Lee Zinnish. I can't teach you, but I can help you explore yourself, that type of thing. Chuck D, like the rest of us, is still trying to figure out exactly how Rick Rubin does what he does. Yo, Anderson, Rick was on the couch, and I was wondering, we were in the booth, I'm wondering, is he asleep or awake or what? 
<laughs> and then makes a couple of suggestions. Boom, 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 boom. And sure enough, it unfolds itself. And like, ah. Dude, just is, he just did some Rick Rubin shit to us. <laughs> we watched him do that with pop singer Kesha. I think we should double that one. Whatever you like. Let's hear it. One. She was recording with the gospel choir. What do you think? If we want to put it into the song, we could chop it up. This was her first time being guided by the guru. Working with him has been genuinely life-changing. He gave me, like, homework assignments. What homework assignments? (laughs) I was writing a song, and I couldn't articulate what I needed to say. And he was like, go home and write a full essay about everything you need to say until you can't write anymore. And then the song kind of started forming itself. There's a tip for the writers. There's a tip for the writers. Write down everything that you would like the song to say. And then go back and then you can complete the song. This is dope. This is dope. So he's not saying, let's make a gold record that's going to do this in sales. God, no. And he was like, I just want to make good music. And I was like, that's so crazy. The audience comes last. How can that be? Well, the audience doesn't know what they want. The audience only knows what's come before. Isn't the whole music business built around trying to figure out what somebody likes? Maybe for someone else it is, but it's not for me. We're trying to tap into a feeling. We're trying to tap into something that makes you want to lean forward and pay more attention. And I'm giving cues to look for in yourself because it all has to do with the artist. But, I mean, that does sound very spiritual. It is. No, it is. The whole thing is spiritual. There you go. As I keep saying, music is spiritual and emotional. It is. And when you hear, when the producer, producers, when we are making these songs, these beats, We're putting these sounds together. It's more than just trying to follow the trends. It's more than just trying to be better than the next producer or or be the best, the better songwriter. It's more about writing songs that's going to change someone's life. This is why we create music. This is the gift we were given by God. And it's our responsibility to make music that changes the world, that stops someone from committing suicide, that stops someone from maybe getting a divorce, you know, encourage someone to go work out, a song that encourages someone to take better care of themselves, you know, self-love. This is why we are here, right? It is magic. And you don't want somebody who's listening to music to think, oh, that's a Rick Rubin record. No. No, I want them to say this is the best thing I've ever heard and not know why. And there it is, fellow music producers. If I were you, I would go back and listen to this video over a couple of times. Write the gems down, make notes, use this, you know, as I go through my music production career. He left some gems here that can definitely elevate your mindset, 
you as a music producer or just finding somebody that's similar to him that can help you in your music production career, right? Again, check out the book. It's audible. You can listen to it while you're scrolling on the phone or you're busy doing whatever. Put on your headphones and get some knowledge from a real music producer. Subscribe to see more valuable videos like this. Thank you all for supporting this channel, checking this out. Give us a thumbs up. Leave a review of what you learned in the descriptions below. All right? To all the dope music producers out there, keep producing that dope music. To all the aspiring music producers, go out there and put in that work, man. Join us in changing the world one beat at a time. I pray this will inspire you to keep going in your music production career and make some life-changing music and money. Remember, in order to have, you must become. In order to become, you must do. Have an amazing day. Let's get that work. See you next week. This is Trey Boy. I'm out. Peace.